Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. If you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. We're in the fourth part of a series called Built Different. And what we're talking about is how the people of God are, well, built different. We, we have an experience with God that, that revolutionizes who we are. We've talked about the fact that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about the fact that we have a spiritual relationship through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And last week, Pastor Bryce talked about the fact that we have a corporate experience. We have a community experience. We have the, a, a, a time as the community of faith where we gather together and, and this helps to shape us as the people of God. Today, I wanna to talk about our small group experience and how important that is. And I wanna specifically talk about this idea that people shape people. You know that small groups have always been at the, have been the building blocks of the Church of Jesus Christ. Well, big crowds uh, get a lot of attention and we all hear about the large gatherings of Christians where thousands are gathering together and some churches which uh, are in, in you know, tens of thousands of people and they get a lot of attention. But I don't think that's really where the action is. In fact, I think Eugene Peterson, uh, in, in, uh, who wrote the message in one of his books, suggests that it's the attraction of the crowd that's one of the greatest temptations of modern pastors. And I think in the age in which we live today, that more and more people are becoming suspicious of the large crowds, suspicious of the large gatherings, that they may not be, well, as authentic as they appear to be. So we're talking about this idea of small group experience as being part of what helps make us become the people of God. The text that we're going to be using is the same text we looked at uh, last week. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for the experience of being the people of God. And it's a multifaceted experience. And thank you, Lord, that you've called us not only to be gathered together in large groups and Sunday morning kind of gatherings, but you've also called us to be gathered together in small groups for spiritual formation, for the work that you want to do in our lives. So pray that, Lord, that we would come to understand that. I pray that we would be motivated to become involved in small groups so that we could allow uh, your work to be done fully in us so that we would be fully formed as the people of God. In your name we pray. Amen.
So what we have before us in this second chapter of the book of Acts is a description of the earliest church. Not just the early church, but this is the earliest church. This is just after the formation of the church, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church and, and uh, the people of God are formed and, and they begin to really understand themselves as, as being the ecclesia, the gathering, the people of God. And, and this is really a description of the earliest church. And, and it must be clear, this is not really prescriptive. And we have to always distinguish in the Bible between description and prescription. There are many things that are described in the Bible that are intended to tell us something historically that happened, but they're not always intended to teach us that we need to follow that same pathway or do that same thing. <laughs> For example, uh, Samson at one point uh, in uh, Judges chapter 15 uh, took 300 foxes, tied torches to the tail, tails and release them in the farmland of the Philistines. And uh, well, it caused quite a stir, but it wasn't the best way to influence people and to gain friends. Uh, we know that all things that are described in the Bible aren't necessarily prescribed as something that we should do. And so we see in the content of even this earliest church and what was going on there, that some things there are descriptive and some things there are prescriptive. In other words, some things that are happening there in the earliest of church are just to tell us what went on. They're not saying that we have to do that. For example, the apostles didn't continue to perform signs and wonders at the same rate as what was happening in that initial phase of the early church. We know that the believers didn't continue to hold everything in common. Uh, we see that in this earliest church in our text where they, they sold their, their earthly possessions, they, they gathered their, um, their, their assets, their wealth as best they could, and they distributed it to people. Well, we know that didn't continue to go on because the stories unfold in the book of Acts where, where people were allowed to uh, sell some of their, their uh, possessions and give part of it to, uh, to the cause, the church at, at that state or whatever the church was involved with in some charitable organization. We know that the church did not continue to attend the temple daily as it talks about it, describing what the early church was doing because we know that as the church grew, they moved away from the temple. It would become more and more difficult to get to the temple. And as the excitement of the initial uh, experience of the Holy Spirit and becoming the church, it, it over time it began to wear off and you don't have that, that same energy nor the same focus as you do in the early days. It's the same in all of life, uh, marriage and uh, new jobs or a new child, uh, the excitement and the energy involved in the beginning is different after you get down into a practice of, of how to go about living your life. So we see some of the things that the early church did in this earliest phase uh, continue on, such as the breaking of bread and prayer and visiting in, in one another's home that remain the same. But some of the things that we're doing, such as holding everything in common, uh, going daily to the, to the courts, uh, they, did, they fell off through time. They didn't continue those practices. Well, Rick Warren, in his brilliant book a number of years ago called The Purpose Driven Life, basically talks about five functions of the purpose-driven life. And he takes those five functions from this passage, and I think he does it rather well. He talks about worship and fellowship and discipleship and ministry and evangelism, all things that we saw the church doing in a different number of different ways. And when you think about it, 
these are some of the things that the church must keep its attention on or must keep its focus on. For example, worship. The church always must be a church that worships. And, and we discovered that, uh, that worship is perhaps better in larger groups than in small groups. I don't know about you, but if you ever sat around with three or four people and you tried to sing hymns or, 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 uh, or gospel songs, sometimes it's pretty tough because maybe a quarter of the people trying to sing can't hold a tune. It's very difficult. But in a large congregation with a worship band and the proper acoustics and, and everything, wow, worship takes off. It's Worship tends to be better in large groups. We tend to engage more in worship when we're in larger groups than we're in small groups. So we could say that that our corporate gatherings or our Sunday morning gatherings are probably better at worship than small groups are. Well, fellowship, another aspect that, that uh, Rick Warren points out that we see here that the early church was involved with, that, that's probably better in smaller groups than in the corporate setting. You know, you can go to church and not really feel a lot of fellowship. You can go to, to a large gathering and feel rather isolated. But when you meet in someone's home or you, you meet in a small group in a church basement somewhere or in an office building somewhere, uh, fellowship is increased and it's enhanced. Well, discipleship is another issue. Discipleship probably happens better in small groups as we encounter one another and talk to one another and pray with one another than it does in a large corporate setting. Well, ministry. Well, it depends on what we mean by ministry. If, if by what we mean by ministry, care um, and uh, um, loving people and helping people with their personal needs, that, that's far better done in small social gatherings than it is in the large church. Uh, people feel cared for more in small groups than they do in large gatherings. Or if by ministry we're talking about ministry that we do or ministry that we're involved with, sometimes the larger organization is better able to have the resources to do some pretty uh, profound ministry that smaller groups of people can't do. I want to think about evangelism. I think perhaps discipleship is, uh, takes place uh, more easily in smaller groups as people get an opportunity to ask questions and questions to be answered and prayed for specifically and, and, and their own personal needs being met. Probably evangelism, discipleship aspect, it is probably better in smaller groups. But as terms of evangelism in the broad perspective, sometimes large groups do really good jobs at, at reaching out to people and calling people uh, to, for a commitment to Jesus Christ. Well, here's my point. Some of these purposes of the church, some of these things that the early church was doing that are not just descriptive, but prescriptive for what the church needs to be or the church is to become. Some of these purposes must happen in small groups which at CLCC we call life groups, or sometimes we call them hubs, and sometimes we call them crews. Uh, depending on your age category, perhaps the youth, young people tend to call them hubs or crews, and the older folks tend to call them life groups. Uh, we believe that there are some things that these smaller groups can do that our large gatherings can't do. In fact, we can't do them on Sunday. We're far better served by being involved in a small groups. Now, there are some things that large groups do well. For example, uh, Sunday morning services, uh, 
large groups, Sunday mornings does great at motivating people, does great at celebrating, does great at worship, does great at inspiring. I think larger groups uh, are better at attracting seekers, inviting neighbors to come to get a taste of what it means to be uh, the people of God. I think larger groups do perhaps better at instruction. And certainly we, we do better at serving because we can collect resources so that we can serve the community better because we're gathered together in larger groups. By the way, COVID taught us the need to be together in closer-knit communities. Uh, we really lack that when we were going through that whole COVID time. And we recognized that there was a need that our, what we call COVID babies or children that were born during that phase, that they, they lacked a certain social interaction that we then later had to catch up with them so that they were more accustomed to socializing with people. Well, just that same lesson that we learned about COVID babies and their need for social interaction is also true of adults. Adults also need to be in close-knit communities uh, gathered together so that they can inspire and challenge and help and care for one another. Uh, people shape people. Life change happens in life groups or in hubs or in crews. Small social contexts influence our lives. And we, and we know this intuitively because all of us, uh, the, the greatest shaping that's ever taken place in our life comes from our nuclear family, our family of origin. Mom, dad, brothers and sisters, whatever that family looked like, that largely shaped us into the kind of people we are today. And that continues to be the case. Smaller social intertwined groups tend to be the greatest influence in our lives to shape our behavior, to shape us and our understanding of the world and life and God, etc. And And the question that we always have, do you want to be informed or do you want to be transformed by the Church of Jesus Christ and your relationship with Jesus? Well, the large gatherings are great at information, but the small gatherings are better at transformation. Now, I've been a, a, a professor for many, many years, and I have a great respect for teaching and its ability to affect our intellects, uh, change our way of thinking, help us to understand things that we couldn't understand before. But I also realize that, that teaching, while it affects the intellect, often doesn't affect our behavior or uh, the way we go about living our lives. Sometimes there's a disconnect between what we know and how we live. And it's our small group context, it's our social connections together in closely knitted groups that helps us, well, conform our, our behavior to who we need to be, who we ought to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Modeling in smaller contexts affects our behavior. And in fact, that's probably true of education today because what we're trying to do in education today is, is to move our education from simply being something that we are uh, talking to people and helping them understand something to helping them actually behave in different ways. We're moving away from the idea of the sage on the stage, the person with all the information standing up in front of people and then downloading it on, on people. Rather, we want people who are listening to also be involved in their learning, uh, to listen, to talk to one another, to to think through the issues and, and, and learn the principles and begin to apply the principles in their lives because knowledge which isn't applied practically 
usually doesn't stay around very long in our brains. We also know that, that people tend not to react very, very well. We're in the spotlight. In, in large gatherings, if you were to ask a person a question, and uh, it, it's very nerve-wracking to be asked a question in a large crowd because it's like the spotlight's on you. But in a smaller setting, uh, with a group of friends, uh, well, the light's dimmer. Uh, the spotlight isn't on people, and we can be more forthright, and we can be more uh, honest, and we can, we, it just creates a different kind of environment for learning and for the application of the truths that we are learning. We also know that we support one another better in smaller groups than in larger group settings. We support one another better in life groups or crews or hubs than we do in our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, in order to bear one another's burdens, which is what Jesus told us to do, this requires proximity, that we're close enough to our brother to bear their burdens, and also foreknowledge, that we know what their burdens are. Uh, in our large gatherings, we probably do not experience proximity, and we probably do not experience the foreknowledge that we need to really care for one another and, lo and love one another in ways that God has called us to. And when we think about the scriptures, we think about all the laws that are given in the Old Testament. I don't know that you've ever noticed, but the laws are not given to individuals, but the laws are always given to communities. And the reason the law is given to communities is so that they can hold one another accountable in their social relationships. So um, we are far better at understanding and obeying what Christ has called us to do when we're in the context of a loving community, then we're off individually on our own. Uh, there are over 50 one another passages in scripture. Personal transformation happens in group. Work is best done in teams. And, and we're learning this in the marketplace and business as well. Work is best done in teams. Gone are the days where uh, individual heroes and organizations are are taking on the big roles and, and providing all the, the illumination necessary to get a task done. Now we find in, in business context, teams of people are working on projects and they're learning to be accountable together. They're learning to communicate together. They're learning to be together and to, as teams, accomplish tasks because teams provide diversity, which is really important for creativity, and also teams create accountability to uh, really cause everybody to continue to pull in the same direction. We also notice that we reach out better to the world, to people who don't know Jesus, in smaller social groups. Now, superb Christians, superstar Christians get a lot of press these days. And, and you hear about them on the news, perhaps you hear about them in Christian circles, about these uh, very well-known uh, Christian speakers or Christian authors or, Christian, or pastors of, of huge churches. But it's actually the smaller social groups that represent Jesus well that win the world. Because people often don't make commitments to Jesus just because of some famous person talked about them. They make commitments to Jesus because people that they know, people that they're in social contact with, are really living out the life of being a follower of Jesus in a real consistent way. John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When people who don't know Jesus come in contact with small communities of faithful followers of Jesus, 
Wow, it makes a big difference in their lives and the way they understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Francis Schaeffer, a theologian and philosopher, said this. He said, Christian community is the final apologetic. The final apologetic. What he meant by that is that it's important for people to have reasons to believe. It's important for them to be explained that the Bible is reliable and that, that Jesus came and died and rose again and that the truth of the gospel can be verified to scientifically and, and reasonably uh, through philosophy. But really, people come to know Jesus not because of that intellectual stimulation, but because they meet authentic followers of Jesus Christ who live the life. You see, it's not the crowd, but it's the small group that changes lives. What finally convinces people of the truth that the gospel is when they see a community live the gospel in real time in the real world. This community is usually a smaller group. In the New Testament, people came to Jesus in family groups. We see this in the story of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, who um, was wondering about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And one of the disciples was sent to him and talked to him. And he comes to know Jesus. And not only he comes to know Jesus, but his whole family comes to know Jesus. We see this as well in the story of the Philippian jailer. Remember, the disciples were thrown in prison and God miraculously delivers them from prison. Uh, the jailer thinks that he's going to be held responsible for their escape. And so he's about to kill, kill himself. One of the disciples says to him, no, no, don't kill yourself. We're all here. We haven't run away. And the jailer becomes convinced of the gospel because of, of this, this social context that he has with these few disciples. And he says, what must I do to be saved? He becomes saved, not only him, but his whole family comes to know Jesus. I'm, I'm convinced that life groups counter the individualism that damages our Western culture. You know, in large gatherings on Sunday mornings, we can still act very individualistically. Uh, we can come alone, we can worship alone, we can pray alone, we can tithe alone, we can participate in communion alone, and we can walk out the door alone. And that's not quite what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, small groups, it's our, it's our um, crews, it's our hubs, it's our life groups that push us out of our comfort zone to embrace our need for belonging community. The world has all kinds of lies that we hear today that are being bantied about and, and believed. And, and we see this in the social media all the time. We see this in the news all the time. Just live your truth. And other lies like, it's all about you. Well, those kinds of lies are revealed in small groups. When we're in small groups, we, they, the, the problems, the, the challenges that we're having internally are often revealed because of our smaller social context. For, for example, uh, a greedy person, and, and truth be known that most of us uh, tend towards greed or are challenged by this idea that we shouldn't be greedy. Uh, greed is often something that is disguised in our lives, that we don't recognize in our lives. And it's often only something in a small group where others are interacting with us can it really be revealed. You know, some sins like uh, uh, adultery or, or uh, lying or... Uh, are using the Lord's name in vain. They're very obvious, and, and, and we don't need no small groups to, to uh, have it revealed that those are issues in our lives. 
But things like greed and avarice and, and, and pride are things that, that often we need a small group of, of trusted, reliable, loving friends to, well, pray with us and uh, love us and counsel us that will help us overcome uh, these, well, deadly issues in our lives. People shape people. Our small group experience is essential to us developing into being the people of God. Small groups change lives. We care for and nurture one another in small groups. We model authentic Christianity in small groups so that our friends and outsiders can see that Jesus really makes a difference. At the very end of our text, it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's verse 47. Very similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, where the apostle Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Church growth, the multiplication of followers of Jesus, uh, people coming to know Christ is a natural byproduct of authentic Christian community, which is most demonstrate in smaller social contexts. That's my point. <laughs> there was a movie a number of years ago called The Field of Dreams. And, and the line that I think that just about everybody remembers from The Field of Dreams is, if you build it, they will come. Well, in a similar way, in the Church of Jesus Christ, if we build authentic community, as is demonstrated by our smaller social settings, if we build that, people will come. People are attracted to authentic Christian community. As we live the life of faith, not only in our large gatherings, not only on Sunday mornings, but in our smaller social contexts, we create an environment that attracts people to know Jesus Christ. You might be wondering how you might want to be able to sign up. There's lots of opportunities here at CLCC. Just contact one of your pastors here at CLCC. We would be glad to introduce you to our small groups and find a group that would exactly fit what your need is. We have groups of all ages from, from uh, young people all the way up to our senior citizens. We would love to get you involved in small groups. Small groups change lives. People shape people. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you that you have provided all these experiences for us to be formed into the people of God. We thank you for our corporate experience, our Sunday morning experiences at CLCC. We thank you that you motiv they motivate us through them. We're inspired by them. We serve during them. We're instructed during those times. But we also thank you for small groups and, and the difference that small groups make in our lives because we know, Lord, that they, they help us better understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They give us better insight about who we are and who you are and how to follow you more, more directly and, and more conscientiously. So Lord, I thank you that you've called us not only to experience you personally, you've called us to experience the Spirit, you've called us to experience this corporate uh, experience of you, but you've called us also to be in, in more tight-knit social contexts where we can grow and we can learn and we can develop and we can be who you have called us to be. We thank you for this, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would be committed to all of these experiences so that you can grow us into the people of God. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us. If you're looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Alder Grove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Our Abbotsford campus has two services each Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at clcc.ca give. See you next time.